Thank you so much, uh, Emiko, and everyone who is here, and uh, all those that are supporting us to be here. Um, it's wonderful to be back in this community. Um, so I also wish to uh, invite us to connect with the ancestors of our land, wherever we find ourselves today. I'm calling in from Long Island, uh, the land of the Merrick and Muncie Lenape peoples. And so I just invite us to take a few moments to feel our body as we arrive and to really feel that our bodies are being supported by this earth and all the past, present, and future generations who have cared for this land that we are on. So feeling through, through the connection of our body to whatever is supporting it that we couldn't be here without these generations of um, land ancestors and siblings. Taking a moment to appreciate those who have cared for and built up the land that we, we find ourselves in. Thank you, and I invite us to also perhaps share in the chat if you'd like uh, your, where you're calling in from, honoring the ancestral lands that are supporting you, and perhaps just one, one thing that brought you here today or one thing that you are bringing with you, offering to the community, or just noticing something you're noticing by way of a check-in that's alive in you today so that we can have a sense of each other jennifer has started us off from also Lenape land in Philadelphia, among others. I'm glad to be with you all. Cecilia from Bay Miwok land, I'm bringing curiosity and my whole self. Thank you. Jennifer wanting to feel a part of collective and bringing an open heart. To whom, hello from Normandy in France. Today I remind myself to not try too hard. Thank you. Ariel on Ohlone Miwok land came here seeking community in the spiritual space with fellow BIPOC folks. 
Greetings all, Coast Miwok land, right here, right now. Welcome. Yakima land in Washington state, connection to be connected to others, to be in Sangha. Lida, good morning. I'm on unceded Ohlone land in Oakland, bringing gratitude today for a new day. Maxine, such a wonderful, inspiring way to start my week hearing the Dharma. I'm grateful. Zooming in from Tongva land, entering this space with a sense of gratitude. Love and blessings from Albuquerque, New Mexico, New Mexico the land of the Tiwa peoples bringing openness and kind softness here to be in community and come back into my body. Grand rising, I'm in Bulbanka, just grateful. On Ute territory, seeking community and spiritual connection. Ramaytush, Ohlone land, San Francisco, happy to see you, Kyra, especially after a recent reconnection with living within mindfulness. Happy to see you too. Uh, San Diego, Kumayai land, here to savor this sweet Sunday morning. Hello, beautiful people. I'm in the Bronx on Lenape land. I'm here following my intuition in finding a sustainable spiritual practice. Wonderful. So grateful that we are here together. A few more. Um, Berkeley Ohlone land, grateful to sit in the present moment with this beautiful community. Meskaren, thank you. Mississaugas of Skukog Island in the Toronto area. I'm here to continue to practice my self-care and grounding. And name, naming the Kahuila, Tongva, Luiseno, and Serrano peoples. Joining from Vancouver, unceded territory of the Musqueam, Squamish, and Tsleil-Waututh, bringing a calm presence to listen to the Dharma. Bay-Miwok, grateful to be here in community. Council of Three, Fire Island, Chicago, here with open palms. Greetings from, yes, Regina, also in Long Island. Hi there. Grateful for Sangha and connection and here for community and an open heart from Pomo Miwok land in Sonoma County. Thank you all for this. It's a kind of Zoom version of a, a head nod or a fist bump or a, <laughs> a bow in person just to kind of get a sense of of each other. So thank you for that. So today we'll do a guided meditation. I'll offer us a meditation and then some reflections on um, something I've been pondering recently, which is what does success mean on the spiritual path? Um, And it just a hint, it includes failure. Uh, those two two things are are not really dualistic. They're two sides of the same coin. So that's what we'll explore. So about twenty five minutes for a meditation, about twenty five minutes of a talk, and then 
um, some chance for us to interact for conversation, dialogue, um, questions. So uh, this meditation that I'll offer, the first part will just be a settling into the body, into the space. And then the second part is going to be a little more interactive. So uh, we won't need to talk, but I will invite us to perhaps either bring someone to mind in our lives that we can get a good sense for visually, like bringing them to mind or feeling them if we don't visualize. That's not our thing, but maybe we get a felt sense of them. But it may also be that we want to choose someone who's right here um, in this group. And so whether we can see their face on the camera or whether we just see their name, maybe a picture, we'll try to connect with, we'll, you get to choose who you're going to pick um, to do this practice. Um, and you can actually pick many different people. Like I'll be giving uh, things to consider about how we are connected to um, others. And you can focus on one person for the whole time, or you can choose, you know, I see Tony Presley and I might, you know, look at your face in the meditation and do one exercise with you and then okay now I see joy burns and I might say oh there's joy hi there and I might practice the next part looking at your face and then I see iris wang I don't see their face that's fine but I might do the next exercise really pondering how I share something with iris so does that make sense you can either choose one person and connect with them the whole time or you can have many people and you don't have to choose someone who's right here in this group. You can also think of someone in your life. And you may even, if you're, you know, at home and you want to pull out a magazine or, you know, some picture of someone else that you know or you don't know, that could also be a way to do this. So there's lots of options, whatever works for you. Um, if everyone turns off their camera for the meditation, you can look at me and Emiko. <laughs> So you don't have to keep your camera on by any means. And if you do, someone might have a way to connect with you. And, and that's fine. All right. So finding whatever position is uh, comfortable for you. Letting yourself rest back. And just really arrive here. Just notice, you know, sometimes many parts of ourselves are still swirling around in other places and other times. And so whatever we were doing before this, just see if you might need to call those parts of yourself back to just be here. And settle the weight of your body onto the support of the earth. Feeling the support. This way the body experiences pressure from the contact with whatever is there holding your body through that 
Notice how the earth is really here. And that you can release your weight into this support. You can take a few deeper breaths, maybe the deepest breaths you've taken all day. Three or four or five, deep inhale. And a long, slow exhale. We have a couple more times. With the exhale, if it's helpful, letting the body release tension, release tightness or whatever it doesn't need. Just letting all that flow out onto the earth, knowing the earth can hold it, transform it, work with it. You don't have to hold it alone. Bringing awareness into the body. Noticing sensations in the body. Maybe there's tiredness, maybe there's energy. Maybe fullness or hunger, thirst. Maybe tension, maybe ease. Noticing the temperature at the level of the skin. And contact between the clothing and the skin. Allowing what's here to be here. Giving it space, giving it room. Just being here.
Nothing to do. And however you're showing up today with whatever state of mind, with whatever emotions, with whatever is happening in your body, seeing if you might offer yourself kindness, friendliness to yourself just as you are, whatever is here. If there's some suffering, then you may offer yourself compassion for what hurts. So welcoming ourselves into this space, into this time, into this collective, this community of practice. So now we'll do this more interactive practice. It's adapted from the meditation, Just Like Me, offered by Ram Das and Mirabai Bush. If you are going to choose someone in this space, you are welcome to pin their video if you like. So if you're choosing someone here, then you would go to hover over their uh, square and see the three dots in the right upper hand corner. And you should be able to click on those three dots and then a drop down menu will appear and you can choose the option to pin their video and then their video will become bigger than everyone else's, so you can focus on them. 
And you can always remove that pin. That's a, an option once you have pinned them. And then you'll see everyone again. Um, some people may not have the option to pin um, if you're maybe on an iPad or something, but hopefully if you wish to do that, you can figure out how to do it. The three dots in the upper right-hand corner of the person's video. If you're choosing someone else, uh, you can bring their image to mind in your mind's eye or look at their picture in front of you. And as I mentioned, you're welcome to switch between different people as we go. So we'll begin by becoming aware that there is a person in front of you, another human being, just like you. And then silently repeat or Allow these phrases that I will say to resonate in you while you look at the person you've chosen. This person has a body and a mind just like me. This person has feelings, emotions, and thoughts, just like me. This person has experienced physical and emotional pain and suffering just like me. This person has at some time been sad, disappointed, angry, or hurt, just like me. This person has felt unworthy or inadequate, just like me.
This person worries and is frightened sometimes, just like me. This person will die one day, just like me. This person's history, to some extent, has been shaped by the ethnic and racial groups they are a part of, just like me. This person has been impacted by the prejudices, oppressions, and privileges of their ethnic and racial experience, just like me. This person has experienced the corrosiveness and harm of white supremacy, just like me. This person has longed for friendship just like me. This person has longed to belong, just like me. This person is learning about life, just like me. This person is practicing to transform and awaken their heart and mind, just like me. This person wants to be caring and kind to others, just like me.
This person wants to be content with what life has given them, just like me. This person wishes to be free from pain and suffering, just like me. This person wishes to be safe and healthy, just like me. This person wishes to be happy, just like me. This person wishes to be loved, just like me. Now allow wishes for well-being to arise for the person you've chosen or the people. I wish this person to have the strength, resources, and social support they need to navigate the difficulties in life with ease. I wish this person to be free from pain and suffering. I wish this person to be peaceful and happy. I wish this person to be loved because this person is a fellow human being just like me.
Thank you, everyone, for your practice, for trying that out. Maybe a slightly different kind of way of meditating. Um, If you'd like to share anything in the chat about what, what you're noticing in your body, as we come to the end of the practice, what's here, you can share. And no pressure to, but if you'd like to uh, offer a reflection, you're welcome to. Uh, deeply relaxed, someone shares, less fear of being in a circle, lighter. Thank you. At ease. I feel lighter, less lonely, connected to this community, welcomed, peaceful. I love that meditation. Thank you. I feel nourished. Thank you for your reflections, everyone. Um, uh, Such tenderness, more open, receptive to love for myself and others, really present. Nice to offer a focused prayer to someone I care about who is in need. I loved, just like me, meditation practice. I am feeling deep connection. Thank you for this uh, feedback um, or reflection. And this is available, this just like me practice. And just so you know, I, I added I adapted it just for a BIPOC communities, some of those reflections. Um, But it's mostly the one you could find online. I feel more forgiveness and understanding. Thank you. Because this practice was and is so beautiful, heart opening, tender. I'm feeling with more sensitivity how unsafe I have been feeling in my body. Uh, very powerful reflections you all are, are sharing. Thank you. Holding all of that very tenderly and respectfully, what's been shared. Uh, I pinned someone I did not know. I found that by the end, I genuinely cared about this person. Powerful meditation. That's that's so beautiful to hear. Thank you. Yeah. We are wired to connect with each other. That's how we are built. Mm-hmm. 
So um, I'll move into the talk now and uh, you can keep sharing any things that arise from that in the chat, that's fine. Um, so I wanted to uh, just offer some reflections about failure and success on, on our spiritual path. Um, I have been thinking about how failure is really important and maybe yeah, even necessary for our spiritual growth. Um, raise your hand if this is true for you. Have you ever approached the practice or meditation or you know, spiritual development as a, I want to get rid of these certain things in me? Anybody? <laughs> yeah. Like, I want to be better. I want to change myself, fix myself, right? So very common, very human. And, you know, that is, it is what happens uh, when we do practice. We do, things do shift and we transform. But, um, but we can also um, get into a lot of trouble if we are um, approaching our spiritual practice in order to, um, you know, slap ourselves into shape, as, as we might say. Um, and sometimes we can judge ourselves too quickly without enough data. So um, I practice interplay, this practice of um, unlocking the wisdom of the body through improvisational forms of movement, storytelling, voice, silence, stillness. But in interplay, there's this idea of uh, body data, which is like, say, I didn't sleep well last night. That was one point of body data. Body knowledge would be uh, enough points of data to say, when I eat a lot at night, a heavy meal, I don't sleep well. Okay, that's like, and then the body wisdom is oh, I'm not going to eat heavy meals at night, right? But we might, we might take a point of, of data, whether it's body data or another point of data, and make a decision about it without having the knowledge and the wisdom that comes over time, right? So for instance, now we come to our spiritual practice, say we meditated at our, you know, the time we had chosen and our minds just were wandering the whole time and we were very agitated or couldn't focus. Anyone have that happen to them? <laughs> you know, it happens to me. And then we say with that one point of data, oh, I can't meditate. This is, you know, I'm, I'm throwing this out. I'm not going to try to do this anymore. But if we were to observe over time, enough data points, we would be able to say something a little more perceptive about what was really happening. So we, we need to gather enough uh, information first, right? Just like points on a graph. If you have enough, then they tell a story, but one point isn't enough. 
So I was recently on a month-long silent retreat. I had a great fortune to sit at Forest Refuge um, near IMS, part of IMS in Barrie, Massachusetts. And um, it was guided by a monk, uh, Venerable U Vivekananda, uh, trained by the Burmese master Upandita. He was his translator for many years. Now he runs a practice center in Lumbini, Nepal. So in this, you know, when I arrived on this silent retreat, I was sort of surprised that in the first maybe a few weeks, 10 days, I felt very clear-headed. It was sort of the practice came easily. I was concentrated. There were many moments that felt very peaceful, very um, nourishing. And I had this sense, oh, I'm really succeeding here, like, right, this sense of success. I could notice, you know, the guidance he was giving was different than other guidance I'd had and very precise. And I was like really able to, you know, follow sensations of my breathing or my physical experiences that I hadn't noticed before. I was like, wow, this is, it was kind of like using a high powered microscope. And so he was, you know, giving us regular interviews and kind of hearing what we were experiencing and then saying, okay, probably this is what's going to happen next or look out for this, you know. And so after kind of this nice coasting, basically, (laughs) first part of the retreat, he said, so you might experience some fogginess soon in your meditation. And he said, it may be hard to perceive the breath clearly, you know, so don't, but don't worry, you know, just notice. Well, sure enough, that period of, you know, feeling like I was so successful, that kind of clarity, it did fade. And then I was in this fogginess, a kind of dull state where it was quite hard to focus for days, right? I didn't have another interview with him for like another four days. And it was hard not to feel dejected and to feel like I wasn't succeeding. Like I had done, you know, well in the past and now I was going down and I was losing the ground that I had somehow gained. And definitely feeling calm and clear, focused, it felt much better than feeling foggy and bored and distracted and a bit lost. So in the next interview I had, I shared my disappointment, what was unfolding in my meditation. And he said, you're exactly where you need to be. From your vantage point, it seems like things are not going well, but from the teacher's seat, everything is right on track. And that was very reassuring to hear him say that. And he said, don't try to go back to that peace and concentration. You know that already. Keep going forward and just note fogginess. Be aware, wandering mind. Don't make a story about it. Don't make it personal. It's just what's arising now. You don't need to make a big deal about it. So there was this learning to let go of the outcome of, of what I wanted to arise in my practice and learning to be really with whatever was there in that moment. If it was dullness and boredom, how could I be mindful of that? How could I turn that into the object of my meditation? What does that feel like to be foggy, to be fuzzy, to be numbed out? 
you know, how do I experience that? And also to notice, how does it change over time? And so when I just observed things more deeply, um, they had less and less of a solid substance. So if I observed pain, it would change after time, after some time, or if I observed a, a low mood or a relaxed mood, an easeful mood, pretty soon after sitting with it, noticing it for a while, it would shift into something else. And so I was able to see more and more, these things are not me, they're not mine. And so sure enough, you know, it was a couple days or maybe longer, but the fogginess also shifted. And then a different kind of attentiveness took its place, which was different from the phase before the fogginess, right? which was just as worthy of my attention. So after that, like getting shaken up in my practice, I think I was just a little more equanimous about what was arising, not trying to make anything happen, not wanting, you know, well, noticing when that would arise in my mind of, oh, I want a special experience to happen. And just doing my best to relax back and say, whatever is going to arise is... It's okay. I want to be mindful of whatever is here. So he, he had a beautiful way of describing how mindfulness doesn't interfere, non-interference with what's going on. So it's not like, you know, you, you know, sadness, go over there. You, you know, <laughs> chatty mind, you know, stand back, be quiet. No, mindfulness is like, oh, there's chatty mind. Okay, how can I notice chatty mind? Oh, there's sadness. How can I be with sadness? So what was helpful in in this just seeing kind of this up and down experience over that month was really taking in that our spiritual paths are not linear. It's not like going upstairs and you're always going up, up, up predictable, always improving. In the long haul, there is this growth, you know, but the Dalai Lama talks about measuring ourselves in decades, not years or months or days, or definitely not sits. (laughs) But really this, you know, taking in all the data points. So if over decades we are more patient, loving, tolerant, equanimous, yes, that is very important that we see those kind of shifts. But there are many ups and downs along the way. And it may feel at times, especially when life is really challenging. And I mean, let's face it, in these times we're living in, it's like always challenging, right? Whatever's happening in the world, it's challenging. It's not like we're ever coasting in terms of current events. But in, you know, in our personal lives, whatever things can be very you know, tough at times. And then we may feel like our practice is going backward. But because it's not a linear ascent, we don't need to be afraid of these difficult times that feel like somehow failure. We can learn to accept them. We can see them as important times of of learning. Grist for the mill. This phrase Thich Nhat Hanh, my teacher, would often share, no mud, no lotus. If you don't have mud, you can't grow the lotus of awakening. So there's suffering that supports that lotus to grow. 
So, so we're not practicing for a certain outcome to arise. Because we, we're not, you know, we, we, we get to influence to some extent what happens, but we're not fully in control. If, if we were, we would all be enlightened. We would just say, okay, the mind, get enlightened. We can help the mind go in that direction, but there are many other factors, right? So we need to make an effort, but we're not fully in control. There is unpredictability. There are many things that, many causes and conditions, as we say in Buddhism. The teacher Gil Fronstahl says that 50% of the practice is our own effort and 50% is the Dharma. So this mysterious way that things unfold, you know, maybe according to our liking, maybe not. So yes, we do have to do our part, but then we also have to let go and surrender to what unfolds. I remember um, Thich Nhat Hanh, my teacher Thai, would often share that when he would go out to teach on a retreat, on a teaching tour, he, would, he wanted them to be successful, of course. But he knew that there were many conditions that would impact whether you know, this happened or not that were outside of his control. There could be weather events, you know, changes in government and policies, the changing realities of the hosting organizations, his own health, the health of the people you know, organizing these events. So he learned to just let go and do his best. He was like, well, if, condi- if conditions are sufficient, this tour will go well. If they're not, then I can only just do my part and let go of the rest. And so he was able to travel and practice and teach in peace and in freedom unattached to the outcome like we just do our best and we learn from whatever happens but we don't you know hang on in fear trying to control how it will be i had an experience recently where i had initiated a project that i had very high hopes for and it didn't turn out how i uh, expected it to So as one element after another kind of twisted and turned in ways that I hadn't planned for, I felt at many points that I had failed. And it was painful. And while there's still some heartache about this, I'm learning to see that causes and conditions weren't sufficient for it to go as I had wished. I'm learning to also pay attention to the many things that did go well. There were many good outcomes, even if it wasn't the outcome that I had expected. So I don't don't want to ignore those because of this negativity bias that we are all programmed with being human, uh, where we just focus on the troubling things to the exclusion of what's what's good. And so I'm learning that you know I can learn. I can take lessons from this difficult experience and keep growing and becoming more skillful. And really seeing that a very important part of my journey, my learning, uh, is times of things not going well, 
like that's just as important as when things do go well. And of course, I would prefer to have the success and, uh, you know, feeling celebrated, feeling, but success and failure inter are, they're not separate from each other. So how, how would success have any meaning if it weren't for failure and vice versa? Right? They can't exist apart from each other. They're made up of each other. So on the spiritual path, success is learning to be both with our moments of accomplishment and failure. So seeing their interbeing and not being attached to one, the success, and aversive to the other, like never wanting to fail ever, but welcoming both as they come, flowing with them, you know, learning from them. So, so really this practice, it's not a self-improvement project. And it's not about like our willpower, harnessing willpower, fixing ourselves, getting rid of parts of ourselves, but rather really getting to know this mind, this body, to be with it, to know, you know, the, the light, the shadow, you know, the wholesome, the unwholesome, the clarity, the fogginess, the confusion, Because freedom and transformation don't come from trying to fix ourselves. Freedom and transformation come when we can be with what's arising and really learn from it. Because if nothing inside of us scares us or we we feel we have to get away from it, then we are fearless then every mind state is workable. There's a Tibetan Lama, Lama John Makransky, who says, the root of all fear is the fear of our own emotions. If we can learn not to be afraid of any of our emotions, any of our mind states, then we can be free of fear, all fear. So this opportunity to practice with uncertainty, with not being able to control, with failing, you know, that is very precious. And if we can turn towards it, we can find liberation, liberation from all suffering. So I actually um, was reading uh, uh, about a teacher who teaches um, technology and um, I can't think of an engineering maybe at a elementary school. So, you know, the STEM curriculum, the sciences and technology. So she started a robotics club like third through fifth graders and she was saying that one of the things she really tries to share with her students is that it's okay to fail in fact 
they celebrate when kids fail because she says all of the things that you learn when a project, you know, you're trying to build something, it doesn't work. That helps you to find out what will work, right? And so she says that the kids <laughs> learn to really uh, celebrate failure and they come out of class saying, I failed and it was fun. So we can have that attitude about our practice too. I failed and it was fun. You know, I learned, I learned something. I can, you know, accept that this is part of the journey. You know? So um, how would it be if we, if we supported each other in that way too, right? If we were giving each other the grace and supporting each other. Um, you know, it's all, it's all a learning. It's all, we're all works in progress under construction. <laughs> um, so, thank you for your kind attention. And um, maybe we can just have a, a few breaths together and listen to the bell. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.